Hello, and welcome to season two of the podcast, Human Design with Livy. Each week, I sit down with incredible guests who candidly share about their journeys of growing their personal brands online. We dive into their own brand story, their expertise, and their human design. I've honestly learned so much from each guest, and I can't wait for everyone to enjoy this series too. Here's a snippet of what's to come. Success has nothing to do with how much money you're bringing in, and it has everything to do with the quality and depth of connections that you're making. And that actually, when you start to measure success by that parameter, every single day gets to be successful. And then naturally, the money and the profit and the impact will come in. And I think one of the best ways to make your offer irresistible is to speak to enough people that have the same problem, that you learn from hearing the same complaints and desires. Okay, that's what I have to create. A very, very important part of my brand is actually ease, which felt and feels still like a real challenge because it's having to undo this kind of impulse to keep on doing, not not working like an animal, but just actually really taking the time to be where I'm at. You can be expanded by somebody and not have to copy paste. There are strategies and structures, but like it, really has to come from within and it's so unique when it does hello and welcome back to the podcast this week's episode is a very special one as i've recorded with my sister nat valelli a 3-5 generator nat's a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and reiki master who's driven by an unwavering desire to guide individuals towards overcoming their emotional pain and life's challenges In the episode, we explore how Nat transitioned from being a full-time social worker to becoming a full-time breathwork facilitator. We looked at the impact of breathwork on your nervous system, the rising popularity and benefits of breathwork, how you can change your narrative through your breathing behavior, why Nat shifted away from one-off sessions to supporting groups with breathwork, her journey with marketing her services, and how to differentiate yourself in a booming industry of breathworkers. Nat has so much passion about the power of the breath and it was so beautiful to witness her talking about it and share her passion and her experience and why she became involved in this work. I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let me know how you find it. So Nat, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so Liv. <laughs> great to have you here. Um, so do you nice want to, to introduce yourself to the listeners, um, who you are, like what you do and yeah, share your human design. Okay. Um, Hi, everyone. My name's Nat Vellelli, and I am a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and a Reiki master. Um, My energy type is generator. I'm a pure G, which I love to say. (laughs) Ever since you told me that, I'm like, I'm a pure G. (laughs) And I have a three-five line. Um, And I think I'm very stereotypically those (laughs) things. Um, Yeah, that's who I am. Amazing. So um, do you want to, yeah, I always start by asking the the podcast guests just to share some defining moments like three defining moments in their journey of kind of getting to where they are now today so um yeah tell us your story 
So my story in a kind of whistle-stop tour, um, I guess you could describe me as someone who's always been really intuitively led. Um, I don't think I necessarily recognised that until my sort of late 20s, but it was definitely, it's a strong skill that I have. Um, and I was always interested in humans and energy and resilience and pain and suffering and I suppose there's lots of reasons for that but I definitely from a very young age had a kind of curiosity about how we behave and how we suffer and how we heal um, and so I guess that led me into the the realms of Reiki, receiving Reiki, um, dabbling in crystals and just being curious about that whole world and feeling very alive whenever I was in receipt or learning about it and then that curiosity led to me waking up one day and going I'm gonna do my Reiki training um, and I went and did that and pretty much instantly um, I was booked out for that so I kind of realized that, oh, there's something here. This is this is what I'm meant to be doing. And at the time I was a frontline social worker. So I was kind of balancing both worlds. And I saw Reiki as the tonic to the stresses and strains that you feel on the front line. Um, and then sort of fast forward a few years and a few um, losses, quite significant losses in, in my life um, and grieving and um, parenting for the first time you know life got pretty intense actually and quite difficult and quite challenging um, and I think I was definitely suffering quite deeply without knowing it at that point and I guess that suffering led me to being more curious about modalities out there that can perhaps relieve the way that I was feeling and bring about some change that I was seeking maybe even just subconsciously you know not necessarily making a decision but just following that curiosity and I came across breathwork um I think I'd read an article and then I'd seen Wim Hof on Goop Lab <laughs> and just watching all the stuff around psychedelics which I love but this was in sort of um this was pre-pandemic so it's quite a long time ago and a bit like with Reiki I just woke up and decided I wanted to be a breathwork facilitator and hilariously I didn't really know what that was <laughs> I didn't know I'd never done a breathwork class in my life I just had this burning desire to do it so I started to look into that and um the course that I wanted to do was in Spain and then we went into lockdown and then that was parked. Um, then we moved to the south coast from Hertfordshire and that kind of took over for a little while. And then when we settled, this kind of nagging just wouldn't leave me alone. And um, and I was sat at the beach yoga, as you do in Lyme Regis. And um, a friend of mine said, oh, my sister is trained with Steph Magenta and she's in Glastonbury, which is only an hour away from me. And I just 
knew in that moment that that was who I was going to train with because I'd really taken my time to not be knee-jerk, which is such a generator response. You know, I'd learned about sitting with it and not being, not letting my emotional authority just let me charge in. So, <laughs> so um, I was trying to be really patient, I think because I knew that this was going to be something. And so who I trained with was really important. And so I phoned Steph, it was in the August, um, a couple of years ago, and spoke to her, and she basically said, you know, there's a course starting in two months' time, do you want to join? We've got a couple of spaces left, and I was like, yeah. And that was it, and that was two years ago. So um, I trained with integrative breath, and had never done a breathwork session. Um, it was quite... Um, yeah, unusual to go on a training like that. Everyone on it was miles ahead of me because they knew what it was all about and they knew um, what to expect in a way. And I did the training and it was seven months, really intensive. I think I'd underestimated how much was related to sort of trauma-informed breathwork. You know, I think we see breathwork as this term, especially now that's just banded around and people delivering breathwork with no training. And that's perfectly fine. But, you know, like slow breathing, yogic breath, you know, er, you know, and and. So there's that breathing, but I didn't realize like what was really possible when you understand breath to the depth that we were being trained in. And then we go to graduation in Glastonbury and it just blew my mind. It was seven days in-person training. We did 22 breathes in six days um, and it was mind-blowing. And you got to experience every side of yourself and also in this container um really seeing every side of everybody else that was in there through the breath and it just it stripped your armor completely away and you're just shown your true human essence and and it's unreal and i came back actually a very different person which wasn't easy actually <laughs> having been married at that point for 15 years with two children and my husband sort of was saying like who who are you like who what is this um so and I was like this is me this is my untraumatized self this is who I really am and you have to love me like this because this is this is me like I've, I found myself um and he was like okay I need to adjust to this um and then I was still working as a social worker at that time um and then I just started to put the word out. I had a Reiki community. So I was just like, do you know, do you want to try? Do you want to try some breath work? And very, very quickly it snowballed. And um, I got to a point where I needed to make a decision to uh, make the space for it to grow. And I remember a conversation with you <laughs> where you were like, Nat, if you don't make the space, you're never going to know what's capable and possible within this. And I just, I'd always known because we'd had conversations like that with Reiki I remember and and with Sean as well had said it I'd always known that I'd know when the time was right and I knew then I was like okay this is it um and then it kind of swallowed me up a bit actually and got really busy um and I'm kind of just coming out the other side of that now actually 
Um, so that's kind of the whistle stop tour. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing, such a journey. Um, yeah. So do you want to take us back to like, um, so you mentioned that you were a social worker. Mm. What was kind of, and what was driving you and that you have, you know, you've always kind of been connected to your spirituality and um, yeah, curious and intuitive. So, because um, I think, you know, some of the listeners will be maybe part-time still in you know their their what they might call their day job or not yet yeah. have made that transition to going full-time into their work and um sometimes it feels like you've got an, you know one arm in one world and you know the other it's in really another hard, isn't it? yeah, yeah it's, it's so really hard. it's so hard such different energies and it's yeah. really hard it's quite tiring I think to pendulate from one into the other I think it's yeah. really exhausting so what was this kind of, there was like a, was there like a, I know it kind of, once you come back from breathwork training, that was when you decided to go full time, but take us back to when you were a social worker and the, the um, you feeling like that sort of spiritual side in you was growing and the move towards Reiki, what was sort of going on in the social working kind of world for you? And then what was, yeah, yeah. pulling, so tugging? Th- yeah. So I think, um, you know, I have a, you know, I feel quite like connected to the emotion of that time to being a social worker. I think that to work on the front line for 11 years with, you know, really vulnerable children in care was, is, um, you know, it's a vocation as we know, and it becomes your life. Um, But you're also in a system that you have little control of. And you become very skilled and I was excellent I was an excellent social worker and you know I say that (laughs) I can say that with ease now I don't self-praise very easily um but I was an excellent social worker and um um I was becoming a bit disillusioned as to the the transformational aspect of what I was doing you know we we were firefighting there's no resources and we're working with trauma and I was developing this understanding of working with the body and trauma in a completely different way in a far more in-depth way and I think that when I began to really see that clearly it made it uncomfortable working in the processes that I was working in because they were to some extent superficial rather than than beneath the surface transformation and also lacking the knowledge that I was gaining that I feel should be knowledge that any professional working with any trauma of any capacity should know and as I was learning it I was like how how isn't this integrated into our profession into every frontline profession and as I say anyone that's working with trauma so I think that began to kind of create some resistance in me because I was feeling this kind of pull to deepen my knowledge with breath work and understand more about the nervous system and trauma in a whole new context and at the same time having to perform my role as a social worker in a very different way and also I mean you always have that element of you and that intuition and the essence of me that I bring as a breath worker, a Reiki practitioner or a social worker. And, and that is real and true for me. And that's my identity, but not being able to um, fully work in a way that, you know, could make a difference is really difficult. 
And I just think it got to a point where my body couldn't tolerate it anymore. My body just was, you know, in burnout because it was really tussling between this realization of what working with trauma in the body could be and having to work with it in a very different way. And I think that's where that energy pull is really hard for people, whether you're, whether your two kind of hats are similar, because I suppose you could say that they are social work and breath work, there's a thread in there. Um, but I think it's really hard to develop deeper insights, understanding of yourself and modalities that really speak to you, and then having to be in the energy of something that is increasingly not, I, I, I think it gets to a point where you just can't tolerate it anymore. And it forces you to take the step. <laughs> and I think that's what happened with me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just don't, doesn't feel right anymore. And, and, yeah. and, and my body just couldn't. And I think as I was deepening my awareness of nervous system regulation and that kind of visceral charge in your body, the more that I was learning about that, the more aware I was becoming of how I was suppressing what I was really feeling because it really shines a light on that for you and that's part of like the breath intelligence journey is really understanding and feeling your body and its language and I think when you begin to realize that you can't turn it off you can't turn that light back off and then you begin to feel the harm that you're putting yourself under and so I think that was where I was just like I, I, I physically can't lift my laptop lid open because it's so everything in my body is screaming no now yeah 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 I feel that I think there just comes a point where you decide sort of yeah something in you kind of moves you to to make the change and I think you know as a three five as well in your human design like third lines they take you know they they do take risks they're here to learn through trial through error through experimenting and it's only yeah. that that's going to kind of I guess help them with the learning experience help them you know get towards the things that they really want to fight for and then you know work yeah. out what feels true and like right to them and then share that with you know people in a, in a really practical way um yeah, so absolutely. that makes I sense yeah yeah, it does. And I think that, you know, when I look at that kind of um, journey, that path, you know, the thread is always there. And even pre-Reiki, um, you know, I was always someone that people would come to for advice, you know, and, and you know, beyond my years, people much older than me coming to me for advice. That, like when I was 16 and 17, speaking to much older women having marriage difficulties, and I barely had a boyfriend, <laughs> but I just had a capacity to see humans and to kind of decode what was there and so like you say like with the three five it's the kind of following that thread of I'm learning and I'm gonna lean into that and see what that is you know and deciding to go to uni at 28 years old out of kind of nowhere again <laughs> um and going I'm gonna go and study to be a social worker because that like all of a sudden that feels like what I'm meant to do and I learned so much from that and there were so many trials 
trials and tribulations in that journey that I can now use and I do use as part of my um, landscape as a breathwork facilitator. And so that's the beauty of the three five is you take the risks and you learn and you have the bumps and all of that becomes your box of gold that you give to others. And and it just keeps growing and it keeps building. And I think with the three five, what I've learned that's really important is that that you have to continually feed into that because when you get stagnant and you're not learning you kind of get disconnected from the box of gold that you've created all the wisdom and all the pearls and so there's definitely something in me that notices this ongoing need to evolve and learn and educate and bump and bruise and come back because that's just life's journey. And as you keep speaking into people's life's journey, that needs to be live for you as well. Yeah, so true. Yeah. yeah. I love the description of the pot of gold because it really is like, <laughs> yeah, that's the material that can really help so many. Um, and I think, you know, as a third line, it requires a lot of resilience because you are bumping into things. You do have trials and tribulations um and in that way I think that people are quite drawn to you because they're always wanting to hear like you know what you're up to what the next thing is that you're doing and I think yeah. you know sometimes a third line can try a hundred different things in life in business and then find that you know the hundred first thing actually like works so they do have to have a lot of resilience and um and I think like as a well talk to me about like yeah being a, a a breathwork practitioner I feel like the breathwork industry has grown so much in the last it kind of feels like the yoga industry boomed in like mm -hmm. the late I don't know 20 say 15 to 2018 and then yeah. 2019 we saw loads of breathwork practitioners kind of coming in and yeah. training and um talk yeah. to us about yeah about what is so um beneficial and so yeah why do you think it draws so many people in breathwork I think there's various things and it's um and it's still it's still showing its discovery in lots of ways which is so exciting but I think the key things that I noticed is when so I'm trauma-informed as a breathwork facilitator so my modality really works with nervous system regulation and um and i didn't even really know what the nervous system did properly um and how it was affected by the way we breathe or how we can affect it by the way we breathe and quite quickly i was noticing that when i was sharing my knowledge and my expertise around that you know people would come to me and they'd be feeling anxious for example and just by simply explaining the, to them the mechanism the physiological mechanism of um anxiety you know what that is in terms of nervous system activation you would just i can just see people's bodies starting to soften because even if they don't fully understand everything you're saying because it speaks to their body in authenticity it's like the body kind of goes yeah oh my god you get it oh and all of a sudden you start to feel a little bit empowered and that's even before you've come to the mat and started to breathe. And every single phone call that I have with a new client, it's the same thing. The, and, and it's their body is being heard and understood. 
And I think breathwork has been the vehicle to those conversations. And yes, it's the modality, but it's also the vehicle that gets that conversation open. And when people begin to realize that just by changing the way that they breathe, they can change the way that they feel. It's such a tangible thing. It's under your nose. Like everybody can breathe. And so it doesn't define you like you don't have to be into anything. You don't have to be into yoga. You don't have to be into spirituality. You just simply need to be able to breathe. And so there's no kind of um, label attached to it. And it's very scientific. And so it's, it's not defined by a certain sector of people. It's just defined by physiology. And so I think that's what makes it hugely popular in in general. I think that the impact when, and it depends on on what breathwork you're participating in, but the breathwork that I that I deliver um, is conscious connected breathwork, and it's transformational because it's working with the levers inside of you. It's a bit like I I define it as like personal training for your nervous system. So it enables you to get inside of your body and to work the parts that might be in dysregulation. And at the same time, when you're doing that, you're also getting access to what lies beneath the surface. So you have this kind of energetic charge that awakens Pandora's box and inside Pandora's box are all the levers to your belief systems, your insecurities, your traumas, your pain. And there are, I mean, one of the best things that I love is when people come around and they'll go, oh my God, I've just remembered something from my childhood. And that has had such a massive impact on me and I had no memory of it at all. And it just gives them this real freeness and liberation that they have accessed something that's had such a daily influence on them that all of a sudden they understand. And then they can begin to meet it and change it. And so it works with so many aspects of self. It works with regulation. It works with the past. It enables you to be in the present. And so for me, like when you're breathing, you're in your whole self and it's that connection. And it feels good, even when it's really difficult and traumatic, it feels good, you're getting inside. And there's nothing else that you can take from the outside and bring in. And as you breathe in, you follow that breath down into the body. Um, and I think that that is incredible. And I think it's showing us what our, our human abilities are in terms of healing, in terms of recovery, in terms of stress prevention, burnout prevention, in terms of autoimmune diseases, looking at these apparatus inside and realizing that actually we have access and it isn't through a medical model. It isn't through a pharmaceutical model. And it's not to say those models aren't you know crucially important of course they are but this but they're not everything they're not the whole answer and I think it's starting to give people more answers more options and where you feel so helpless sometimes when you go and get a diagnosis or when you're feeling in a constant cycle of anxiety and maybe the only option you've been given is medication and you know in yourself that's not what you want and you feel like that but there is just no other way and then you come and try this and realize there's a whole other way it's it's the best feeling in the world so I think it's that <laughs> and I also think for men it is quite a accessible modality saying 
I would say between 70 and 80%, it fluctuates, of my one-to-one -one client base is men. Yeah, and that's amazing. I think that that's why I also think we see this rise in popularity. Whereas with yoga, I think it began as a very feminine-driven kind of industry and arguably still is pretty dominated. But when you look at the breathwork community and um, the culture around that, you know, it's quite male-populated. So I think that in numbers and popularity is is also seeing this sharp rise yeah yeah that makes sense like more people are accessing it um so i know that they say like you can tell how a person's doing or tell everything about the way a person breathes right how they're doing how sort of stressed they are or how well they are so yeah. do you want to talk to us a little bit about that of yeah diff yeah. how you're breathing of impacts and relates to what you're going through yeah absolutely so um so there's lots of things but if we just look at breath as a behavior and I think we don't look at it as a behavior but it it is it behaves in accordance to the environment that we're in right so like say now live a bear came running through your door your breath would change. It would get shallow and it would get quick. Your heart rate would be quicker. Your eyes would dilate. The left side of your brain would shut down and you would jump up and go because you have perceived a threat and your breath has responded to that without any instruction. So it's an automatic unconscious response. And it's doing that all day, every day, depending on how it's perceiving its environment. And it perceives the environment by understanding whether something feels safe or not. And what, what informs it is what it's seen from the moment you were born up until that point. So where um, we look at sort of nervous system imprinting, from the minute you're born, it begins to navigate your life in terms of what feels safe and what doesn't. So your nervous system's an alarm system, right? So if, for example, when you were birthed, if you had a traumatic labor, if you were separated, all of those things begin to shape and imprint the way the nervous system sees the world around it you know your pre-verbal all you have is your felt senses and then you kind of fast forward into childhood and we live in a society um which is great it's changing but certainly generations before us you know emotional expression was unacceptable if you had a child who's upset the quickest response is to don't cry don't have a tantrum don't don't be scared don't 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 and so this nervous system that's feeling something is getting the communication back in to not feel. So we begin to suppress and we begin to um, kind of confuse the system and create a narrative in the system that actually I'm not accepted when I fear or, or I'm not accepted when I express. I mean, there's lots and lots of things that influence it in lots of different ways, but just to give you a kind of crude example, and then you kind of fast forward into your adult life and you're experiencing different things all the time. All those early on impressions are the early behavior patterns that are then being replicated now because we don't change the behavior of the breath. So if you have someone, for example, who struggles in relationships, has has um, you know anxious attachments and 
notices that when they go into a relationship, things begin to spiral out of control, uncontrollably, like the behavior begins to change. And if you look at how they're breathing, how they're breathing will have changed. And so the power of breathwork is, it's the one thing that we have direct access to that can bring a different narrative into the body. So equally, if a bear came in charging now, and you closed your eyes and just really focused on slow nose breathing and say you were quite mastered in your breath work, you could keep your body really calm and keep it in balance because you have adopted this strong mechanism to bring yourself back down from that heightened state. And so when I work with clients, what that's what we're doing. We're looking at where is their breath either being held too much, where is it elevating too much, what is attached to that behavior, what belief system, what narrative, and just by changing the way we breathe, so without really having to work in the mind and change the narrative from that perspective, we are just changing the breath behavior. So the breath and the nervous system system it's the neurobiology begins to recognize actually i'm safe i'm okay this is okay because how many times do we react in a way that logically we know we don't need to be you know that's what anxiety is when people are walking around like i'm anxious and i don't know why like there's nothing going on it's because the nervous system's in overdrive and it can't get back down and so by changing the breathing patterns we are getting in and dialing it down for you and we're doing it in a mechanical way that leads to an automatic behavior eventually amazing it's not quite a long answer sorry yeah no that makes <laughs> sense I think that was really clear um so do you notice say for example in the conversations that you have or um or say you know with your clients the way that they respond and communicate differs like before breath breath work and after yeah. breath work because I can imagine if yeah. you're in that sort of flight or fight or you're in an argument or you're in a confrontational situation or a dangerous situation mm -hmm. like being able to kind of use the breath as a resource and a tool to mm -hmm. you know help you <laughs> in yeah. in the given situation like you, you do you find that with and, and and how long does it take to really cultivate that you know what sort of a consistent practice do you have to have because I imagine it's quite it's, it's almost like a rewiring or a remembering to access your breath or yeah absolutely so I think um it's different so the one-to-one -one clients like I'm now at a stage where when someone walks I can just watch them walking towards me and I observe how they're breathing and I can almost um diagnose in part what's going on for them just by that so that um is great and and being able to do that when they walk in and you can like say um so i noticed that you're not really breathing at the moment you know is that your natural disposition yeah and how does that feel in my body i'm holding on what are you holding on to and then we begin right and can you take a deep breath and then we just begin to get them into their body so if you imagine you're someone who's um you know barely breathing at all because you're really uptight you're really anxious that breath that you take in is like medicine to every cell in your body and instantly there's a shift and they're like oh that feels really good and you're like okay and then we go into the session and depending on what's there for someone you know I think a big thing at the moment that a lot of um kind of well-trained breathwork facilitators are concerned about is that 
you know, because of the limelight that it's under, there are a lot of training programs that aren't training people properly in the science and the physiology, right? And um, and it's dangerous. And this is why, because if someone is in a hyperventilative state, you don't want to increase that. You want to be able to bring that down. And you need to understand how the body works to bring that down. Because what some people can do is like, right, come in and let's do a conscious connected breath work and we'll work to a peak and we'll get everything chiming and really intense. And you know, you see those like videos on Instagram of like people like in these really dramatic kind of almost exorcism, you know, style experiences. And if they're already in a hyperventilative state with their breathing as a behavior then that is is harmful to them so being able to diagnose breathing is really important and then that shapes the way that that experience is for them and at the end there's relief there's relief like it's really difficult to even put into words just how it feels because it is incredible and it isn't easy and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes you're revisiting stuff that that you've you've pushed away and your body has tirelessly pushed away but it's like if you know if you think about the energy that is used in every given minute to suppress all the things we don't want to feel just because we've mastered that doesn't mean it isn't exhausting our bodies and and you know when we look at the work of Gabor Mate we can see that that then has an impairment on your apparatus that then later manifests into some disease potentially or autoimmune problems or all sorts of things right so because the body isn't designed to suppress it and when you begin to decompress it it feels amazing it feels incredible and and I think the most powerful thing is that you feel connected to yourself again and, and you know for some people they get to meet themselves for the first time depending on where that conditioning came from and those stories and that narrative you know we all have this sense deep down inside of us who we really are like we have that like everyone even if that glimmer is really tiny we have it in there it's buried beneath all the rubble of life and all the stories and all the narratives and all the impressions and the conditioning and when you breathe and you begin to access that light you feel human again, you feel you and you begin to realize that the way that you have maybe been behaving and experiencing life has been more of a reflection of how life has happened to you rather than who you really are. And when you begin to be able to access who you really are, it just becomes infectious and you just want more and you begin to see life very differently and you begin to be more present and less triggered you begin to see people clearly because you're you're just clearing the vision you're clearing your senses you're finding yourself and it feels incredible um and it, and it, and the journey depends so for me a baseline is 6 weeks you know i i would always start with a minimum of 6 weeks for the same reason that you're going into someone's nervous system you're altering the landscape and it is to me um unethical to just pick that up and put that down so you know for me i'm like if if i'm doing it I want to do this within the safety of progression. So we're going to go in and we're just going to progressively work with that. Um, more often than not, people stay on board because it's incredible. You know, it's it feels great and it's really self-care. So we have the kind of 
the one-to-one -one clients that might be more in crisis and then I have my classes and then the retreats and other things where it is transformational and it's a bit more energized and it's a bit more wow my body can do this you know and it can it can be that experience as well um but the same principles um apply that you need to understand human physiology through breathing to be able to safely hold those spaces as well um so yeah it's it's amazing. I'm not surprised that it's in the limelight that it is. And I, I truly feel like we're just scratching the surface with it. You know, I'm in the middle of my advanced science training and it's blowing my mind all over again. And I'm realizing that, um, yeah, that I've just scratched the surface. And I think that's really exciting to be able to discover even more about what we're capable of. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, because I know there was a time where um, I remember there being a shift of you kind of um, offering maybe one-to-one -one sessions and yeah. then realising that, yeah, the transformation does happen over a period of time. And um, yeah. I think that's a really common shift that you see with practitioners of, um, I'm going to say, like, potentially even getting burnt out by just offering like one-off one-to-one yeah. sessions and having to constantly market them and um that not creating you know particular financial security in yeah. in your business and in tandem with that you know really the success of our business is um somewhat dependent on the results that we we get for our clients and the transformation that yeah. they experience so what yeah. what happened in that in that shift of kind of going from the one to one you spoke to the the fact of like if you're coming with me you know we're going to go on a journey do you want to just talk yeah. us through that yeah um, so it was you again oh <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that as in no no I know I know but I'm like I could give credit where it's due and it was absolutely yeah. you and I speak to my peers in it uh, it was the same and we like well Libby said this thing to me once and it just the penny dropped and I think it was such a catalyst of change for me that was the beginning of when things started to really pick up so I remember you saying to me like what do you achieve in one session now and I was like well you know you you just get to grip with it a little bit and you might have this experience but you know it's it's so much more than that and you said to me, you're the expert, though. Are you telling people that? Like, why are you, if that's the case, like, why are you only offering one-off sessions? Like, what, how many sessions do you think it would take? And I was like, how have I never thought of that? <laughs> and so I was like, well, I think six is the baseline. And you were like, so that's all you offer now? Because you're not going to get results and unless they take that journey and if you're not going to get the results that you're capable of, then people aren't going to talk about it to the depth that, that they can. And that's exactly what happened. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, and we both know I'm quite a scaredy cat and I, I lack belief <laughs> in, in myself and, um, and people wanting to come to me. Um, but I, but it made sense and I could speak to that and I was like, oh my God, of course. And it really changed my understanding around me being the expert and, and people not knowing that, like we have this assumption that 
well if I had this assumption I'm sure lots don't but maybe some others do where you think well if they wanted six sessions they'd book six sessions because if I wanted six sessions or something I would book it and like just assuming people have that that knowledge and autonomy to to make that decision and and then when I realized well they how would they know they haven't trained they haven't done this so that was the real change for me and that's my baseline still now you know it's a six-week program minimum and when I explain it I have never had anyone say no ever because it makes sense you know and when we think about like when you go to a therapist you don't just go for one session when you go to physio you don't just go for one session and so you can make it really relatable to like I'm not trying to sell you this I'm just I'm not prepared to take your money for something that can't work to the best that it can. And that's where my ethics stand and my integrity. Um, so yeah, that was, um, and it is amazing because so many of my, my uh, breathwork brothers and sisters, we'll call them, you know, I'd say the same to them. I'm like, you shouldn't really just do one-to-ones, you know, like, have you thought about this? <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, why didn't I think about that? And that's the point, isn't it? It can be just something so simple, one shift, because trying to maintain one-to-ones is, is, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's a big task. It takes a lot of energy, continual driving, continual exposure. So when you then like boil that down to one session, one-to-ones, that is just enormous effort enormous effort and you're not going to get the results that you're you're capable of yeah so talk to me a little bit about your um kind of marketing um journey because I think there's one thing you know training as a practitioner and that being your passion and something that you know feels really effortless to deliver and then you have to learn this whole new skill of marketing and being able to show up and I think it often presents um that presents its own challenges in terms of you know being able to promote yourself and your your self-belief and your yeah you know all, all of the stuff that comes and I I find this often you know I work with incredible practitioners who are so gifted at what they do and then it comes to kind of marketing themselves and showing up and mm-hmm. it feels scary it feels like their throats you know their throat chakras blocked or they can't yeah. get out what they need to and it's a whole nother skill and investment in a skill um that sometimes I think can feel draining if it's something that you're not naturally um gifted at or yeah Yeah, don't necessarily have the experience in so how is your journey I think it's been conflicting for me I think that I think there's a kind of resistance there that you know when I see the the glorification of breathwork online and how there's a kind of capitalization on its popularity, for example, like that doesn't sit easily with me, because to me, that isn't where I'm at. And that isn't my journey. And that to me isn't what this medicine's about. And so then you're faced with this, well, do I feed into that and be be that because I need to to keep up with it? Or do I pull back and, and not? And so for me, that's the resistance that I have have had to tussle with a lot. And then um coupled with that is really understanding what is it that I bring that makes people come to me but also having the 
the confidence to identify that. So not thinking people are just coming to me because it's breath work, but actually really crystallizing, you know, who I am and what my message is. And, and because through word of mouth, that happens so naturally. And through word of mouth, you don't hear it. You don't hear what people are saying about you. You just get people coming to you. And so you don't like, it's not very comfortable for me to sit there and go, so what did they say about me? Like, how amazing am I? Like that makes me want to die a little bit inside. (laughs) And then it's the same online for me. It's the same online for me. Um, And it's taken me a long time um, to really lean into who I am in this industry, what I bring, and to also recognize that what interests me about breathwork is is unique to me. So I'm obsessed with the science, not every breathworker is or needs to be, but I'm also obsessed with human agency. I'm also obsessed with kind of human potential and bringing the best out of people. And so it was like this beginning to really dissect the things that I loved about it, and seeing that that was my projection and that the things that I love and then who I am all mixed together makes me my brand and and understanding that's the brand. It's not breath work. It's not the logo. It's me and feeling comfortable with that. And I definitely haven't until very recently felt comfortable with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I think doing journey. my, it is, I think doing my website was a big turning point for me because it didn't feel exposed like on Instagram, but everyone's watching every move you make and, and it's very quick paced and you can just put things on there and then be like, Oh God, that doesn't really sound like me and like pull it back and get that kind of, um, next morning regret that you can get when you post something that I definitely get and um just whip it off quickly whereas my my website was going to be a permanent thing and it was mine and it feels protected in its own space and so I took a really long time it took me about four months to write the copy for my website and I'm so pleased I did that because in that journey it was that um exploration of who am I and what does this actually mean to me and what do I make it mean for other people and um and the words that I've spoken on there are true reflections of my essence like it's authentic and so I think it's really what I learned from that is really taking time to discover that to instead of looking out what do people want to see what's going to sell me is actually looking in and discovering who you are and what makes you thrive within your industry and then that's your copy written you know for me that um that but it it's hard I think when you work um you know with energy or people in the way that I do that you know it's that other hat it's that pendulum and I just like I'm like I'm not made for that that isn't for me so I think having a BA um, 
Sarah is amazing. Having someone that can take some of that away from you, where you can give them some creative input and just allow them to use their expertise and brilliance on it. And I think I definitely had a resistance around spending money and investing on other services to help me. And again, you've encouraged me with that a lot. And I, I, I held on to a narrative of, well, if I can do it myself, even if it takes a long time, I'm going to do it. But it was just, it just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work. It's so counterproductive. It just doesn't work that way for me yes. anyway. Well, no, so, I yeah, you only probably for most people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It takes a lot of people a long time to get to that point. But then once you've, you know, made the investment or you've got support, you realise, uh, you know, you always hear people say, I wish I'd done this sooner, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah. And, the, and the same is true with strategy and like growth. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I, I don't have a business background. I don't know about how to scale up. I don't know. I know how to be me. I know how to be an excellent breathwork facilitator. I know that if you put me in front of someone, I can, I can captivate them because I speak from authority, intellect, passion, and that, that works. But in terms of business strategy, it doesn't really mean anything, you know? Um, so the same is true again, you know, sitting with that, that fear and discomfort of, well, if I invest in a coach or someone who can help me with that, that's such a big outlay for me. And can I really afford that? it's moving away from that and seeing the potential of what that investment can bring back. And, and I'm in that phase now, that's where I'm at now where I'm like, I really understand that it's almost like the more you invest in that, the more return you get. And it's just, it's like, it's like so obvious, but it's, it's so uh, challenged for so many of us, I think as practitioners, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just we all have our own story around money and like, you know. Yeah, um, and fear. It's, so, it's complicated, you know, yeah, com complicated. So, um, and, I, you know, I think what you're speaking to is really important in the sense that identifying who, you, especially as a generator, right, their story is all about like who they are, what brings them, you know, excitement and passion and like what yeah. they want to put their energy into and discovering about themselves and, um, and, I, I think it's really important in in the bloom of the market or boom of the market and the breathwork industry. Um, you know, there's so much competition now. Yeah. It's not like a few years ago where, no. you know, not it wasn't so popular. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I think because of that, it's really important to be very grounded in who you are, what you offer, your differentiating factors and just you know that that's what you were talking to is like why people are kind of coming to you over say anyone else what are you passionate about and yeah. trusting that it's enough that that you know those sort of factors are enough um because it's you know I think one of the things about breathwork in particular as a modality is that like you were saying at the beginning it's rising popularity like it's it it, it touches the souls of, of many many people mm -hmm. and um the the results are so you know the results of transformation are very are very varied aren't they you know like people yeah. it's, it's a really very you know it's not like say it's not example, concise the, you could you, you know yeah, like it's cause and hard. effect and you can't refine that in your marketing you can't yeah. decipher that so 
it's it's really difficult to kind of you know I remember you um saying to me once all right so what's your niche now and I'm like everybody can breathe live <laughs> so I'm like I don't know everyone needs it I can see the whole world needs it I don't know tell me I don't know and like and I and <laughs> that still is a problem for me but interestingly interestingly um what I'm beginning to be able to do so so two things that really come to mind when you say that is the things that I am beginning to discover are deciding what I want to do not just looking at what the trend is doing like every like last year and this summer you know all the kind of like high profile breath workers were at every you know all about love and medicine and Glastonbury and you know oh and I was like oh I need to like I need to achieve that to be credible in my industry. And so I need to really focus on that. And actually, I mean, I would love that. Don't get me wrong, just because that, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that in my industry? That's amazing. But actually, I realized in the last few days, even, that that's not the strategy, though, for me. That isn't going to, that's not going to work in terms of what I see my vision being in the future. That's less important than I thought it was. But just because of how it was being portrayed and the excitement around it and how I was identifying with that equating to success, it was distorting my vision and holding me back from my unique um, offerings. And since I've kind of leaned more into, well, how, you know, which, which niche markets do speak to me? Like I did a webinar the other day to charities and frontline workers within the charity sector. And I, the passion just poured out of me because I could speak to what these employees were experiencing because I'd been there. And I'm like, yeah, I want to help you. I want to help you. So they're the people that I'm going to go to. I'm choosing that. They're not necessarily choosing me. And it's, again, leaning into that generator identity of what is really going to light me up? And am I clear that that is me or is that what I'm seeing? And that's where I think in any popular modality, you have to kind of step back and just be really honest with yourself. Is that really what I want? And is that going to serve me? Or if I could be like, what are my heart's desires? What do they look like? Yeah. And really just playing with that. That doesn't mean you have to follow them. But actually, I believe when you begin to um, move into that sort of inner wisdom, the niche markets that you should be working with become really obvious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's, yeah. That speaks to like, for me as well, the you know initiating versus responding so I think it's very easy for generators to kind of initiate you know things when actually that's not really their strategy their strategy is about you know waiting for a response and um and also as a three five you know your experience is really important in terms of who you then end up supporting right so you've been there you can relate to them you have the experience of it and then you're gonna you know share share the message and the wisdom of it so um and it's trusting that and it's the same with like the retreats like a real um a thing that I love to do 
is go on other people's retreats and deliver breathwork to communities and people that haven't experienced me or breathwork in the way that I deliver it and the joy that I get and the retreat providers get from the awe and amazement of the people that do it to me is like amazing I love that and so again kind of like speaking out to that being proud of the retreats that I run and really looking at that as something that I thrive in and that I'm really excellent at and just by kind of putting that energy out there I start to get emails and like you say the invitations start coming in because I'm I'm feeling able to be seen in that light and as a generator I think it's that it's showing yourself and just being patient and waiting and and not getting caught in your fear and not showing yourself in case there's rejection so i think with the generator the rejection is when you're when you're pushing the idea into people's inboxes and they haven't really got a sense of who you are they don't really need your service there's definitely a, a thing there for me where that doesn't work for me you know it's not it's not cold in that way there's it's it's them coming to me that works yeah yeah and like yeah just kind of noticing where you're being drawn into initiating because you've got an idea or you know versus like are you actually responding to something and does that feel exciting for you and yeah I think like you say there's there's a lot of patience there's a lot of trust there's a lot of waiting actually that's involved in 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 being a generator and um when we wait we have to cultivate trust you know yeah um thank you Nat thank you so 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 much it's been such a joy do you want to just share yeah just tell the listeners how they can work with you how they can find you yeah, yeah what what you offer so um so I offer my one-to-one practice online or in person but I live in Lyme Regis in Dorset so I'm quite far away from most people um so I have a really great online community and there's two ways you can work with me on that platform and that's either on a one-to-one basis or I do six-week breathwork journeys which brings in the group alchemy and I, I lead a group through that journey together which has lots of um, beautiful medicine in it because we don't witness each other in safe places Places very often and having a space where you're de-armoring together is really profound um if you're someone who runs retreats or wants to run retreats and wants practitioners to come along and really make it special then that's what I'm getting booked up for so um adding an element to the transformational aspect of a retreat journey um is what you can book me for and I'm now beginning the corporate journey so along those lines um and also therapists that um talking therapists or coaches where they feel like they're getting to a certain point and there's a block and they just can't get beyond that I get a lot of clients who have um where talking therapies have maybe run its course to a point and they need to do the body work they need to break through um so I'm doing some collaborations with therapists and things like that so yeah you can find me at soul liberation 22 on instagram or online and it's uh, dot com online and yeah 
that's me in a nutshell <laughs> oh, oh thanks so much Matt. we'll pop oh. it all in the show, show notes the link so thanks, people Liv. can find you thanks for coming to share thanks your wisdom thanks for having me oh, thanks for having pleasure. me i've loved it and i will speak me to too. you soon <laughs> yeah. see you later bye bye bye